Welcome to another Mike Flanders podcast. Well, today I have a long-time friend, and to some of you people in the business may even know the band that he plays in. <laughs> um, and uh, the funny thing is, is we've known each other now since I think around 2010, I think we figured out, and we both met through a mutual friend that unfortunately is no longer on this earth, but was an amazing connector. Um, welcome today, Peter Keys from Leonard Skinner. Hey, hey, Mike Flanders, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, and thanks for coming at 10 o'clock in the morning. So uh, we're, we're both uh, indulging in coffee, and we kind of had a little talk before this and said, you know, you know, what are we going to talk about and what are we going to do? But, you know, my motivation to this is to profile what we do and kind of let folks know, you know, more about this environment and this fish tank that we swim in in Nashville because it's so diverse and there's so many amazing, talented people and they literally live up the street most of the time. <laughs> you just said, hell, how far far away are you from me? Well, it's crazy. I said, okay, we got to be here at 10. So I left my house at 9.30 and I was here at 9.40. I forgot that we live around the corner <laughs> from each other. You'll always said that. Hey, you're around the corner, you know. So I think the a, a good way to start this is um, the gentleman that introduced us, you know, sort of said, hey, Peter's this amazing, you know, organ player, or keyboard player, blah, blah, blah. And um, around that period, I was in Berry Hill studio, I think, or did we work on 80, at 18th Avenue together as well when I was there? I think we started in Berry Hill. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I had moved over to Berry Hill and Peter would come down and with all kinds of different toys. Um, he basically um, uh, had an endorsement with Hammond. I don't know if you still do, but used to bring these beautiful Hammond. Uh, SK2, yeah, yeah, I do. yeah I'm, still, I'm still a Hammond artist. Yeah. yeah. So I think a good way to kick this would be Tell them a little bit about your life and how you ended up in this town and then the journey and then going from, you know, basically being, you know, a basic musician like we both are <laughs> to where our careers end up and how you ended up in, let's call it an iconic band. So, Well, I'm still a basic musician, Mike. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it just happened to uh, land a really good gig. You know, I started playing piano when I was four. Um, took classical lessons, played, you know, up through uh, high school, started, you know, a couple bands in high school, um, did that thing, you know, took some private instruction with a couple jazz people, um, went to Berkeley College of Music and got thrown out in one semester, which I'm very proud of. Um, you didn't know. meet John Mayer there, did you? No, I didn't. No, I think he finished. But, uh, that, you know, moved back to San Francisco and just started playing in bands and working the circuit, you know. So where is home for you? Where did I grew you... up in Northern California. Oh, okay, right. In right. Uh, Marin County, specifically. Right. The right. Home, home of the Grateful Dead, Carlos Santana, and, oh, you know, all of those wow. awesome bands from the 60s. But... But, um, yeah, so it basically ended up, you know, uh, didn't, school didn't work out for me. I'm not, a, I'm not, a, um, I'm not of the educational variety, yeah. you know, I'm more street, you know, I wanted to learn in the clubs or actually I just didn't want to do the work. I'll be honest. Let's yeah. be honest here. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, went back to San Francisco, played in a ton of bands, um, lived there through like the nineties and then the dot com boom happened and all of these tech companies moved into San Francisco Bay Area, bought all of the warehouses and all of the clubs and basically shut down uh, 
the music industry because there was nowhere affordable to rehearse. Um, wow. You know, uh, um, Clear Channel came in and bought all the venues because it was a booming scene. All of a sudden, there was nowhere for local bands to play. It was only regional bands. And uh, I ended up moving out to Atlanta with a friend who was like, hey, man, I've got a, a couple gigs for you in Atlanta. I was like, sure, let's go. My truck will make it. So we drove to Atlanta. And It's uh, a big hoy. It was, it was, he was actually, it was my friend Frog, a great drummer. He was like, Hey man, I, I got to go home. I hate flying. He, I was like, I'll drive. So, wow. so we drove to Atlanta in the middle of the winter. Not the best idea. Um, took us 13 days to go from San Francisco to Atlanta. Cause my idea was let's take the North route. Cause there are fewer cops. What I didn't realize is there is no North route to Atlanta. <laughs> so we ended up somehow in, uh, New Orleans on Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is kind of how my life goes. You know, I just, I literally follow the path. You know, I'm very into, um, you know. Um, organic. It's yeah, organic yeah. Organic I let approach. stuff happen, man. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. we improvise. Yeah. I've improvised my way into yeah. my life. Yeah. So anyways, ended up in Atlanta. Um, I hooked up with Parliament Funkadelic there, did an audition for them. Ended up working with a band called The Original P, which was the original Parliament. So I don't know if you guys know who Parliament Funkadelic is. It was George Clinton and Parliament, yeah. which was a doo-wop band back in the late 50s, early 60s. 60s yeah, yeah. And then they turned, they took a bunch of acid and discovered elect, electronic music or, you know, electric was guitar. Bootsy Collins? Bootsy Collins was, came later. Yeah, but okay. Eddie Hazel was a guitar player. You know, they basically discovered Jimi Hendrix, his music. And started messing around with, you know, electric rock and roll, created psychedelic funk, funk, and became Parliament Funkadelic. Anyways, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1996, I believe. And so the Parliaments, which was the the band, started an, another band aside of George Clinton's band, which was the P-Funk All-Stars. They started the original P. And I toured with them performing all the music from the Funkadelic era. Um, and that was kind of my my big break. I'm using air quotes here, guys. Yeah. Um, and then we did a tour, and uh, then we broke for Christmas. And literally, when I say broke for Christmas, it means I was broke for Christmas. <laughs> and I had to go get a job flipping burgers. And I was like, damn it, I've made it, and now I've unmade it. Do you make a good burger now? No, I, I was horrible. <laughs> I, could, I lasted about two weeks at that job because I couldn't get up in time for my shift at noon, <laughs> right? So I'm basically a lifer musician. Anyways, uh, that's great. all that to be said, that was like my first touring, like real touring gig and uh, ended up moving up to Detroit where um, I linked up with wow, a bunch of another people Another big there. change. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got chased out of every city I lived in, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's bizarre. So I moved to Detroit in 2000 and bought a church with a couple of people, and we turned it into a studio. And uh, this is basically when the huge financial crash happened, so I couldn't get 100 bucks a day in a studio, man. So I started coming down to Nashville and working with a group called the Music Mafia. Oh, okay. Right, well, yeah, I first met the Mafia in 2002. Yeah, that's when John and Gretchen and... Right. And that's, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, they, they came up to Detroit. Right. And uh, I was working with some of the people from Kid Rock's camp. And right. they had opened a show for Kid Rock, and then they did an after party that they pulled me up, and I played with them. And I was like, cool. And I was like, played a song. I'm like, thanks, guys. I'm like, no, no, you keep playing. I was like, what? And so they had me play till about four in the morning. Wow. 
and uh, I really fell in love with what they were doing because they were this crazy group of just misfits. Was Corey Gearman? Cor- yeah, Corey yeah. was running it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this I, a- I had met Corey in 2002, and he kind of was the leader, right? Mm. And then he ran. He was the brains behind the organization. Yeah, yeah. 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 He put together the funny. Well, there was a funny name for the record label through Warner's too. Raybar. That's it. I can never remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, red and yellow, bra- brown <laughs> and white. Is that what it means? Yeah, it's for like uh, mu- music without borders. It's about you ah, know, okay. every, including everybody. No, you know, yeah. um, racism or whatever you want to call it. He lives down there in White's Creek now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he's yeah. actually met. He's Bob's personal assistant now. Bob being Kid Rock. Right. Yeah, I, right. I, I knew he was working closely with him. Yeah. yeah, and he's got a couple of other artists or whatever too. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, that's kind of what brought me to Nashville. I started flying down here, doing sessions and gigs with the Music Mafia, and then when I realized that Detroit was just taking a huge shit, like nothing was happening there, I just decided to move down here. I actually, found a, a, um, a salaried gig on Craigslist, which afforded me to move down here, and uh, that was in October of two thousand eight. And then Billy Powell from Leonard Skinner passed away in January of 2009. And I got a call in uh, March to audition for Leonard Skinner. Really? Yeah. Wow. So that's the, that's the, that's the, lo- the long, short story of it. Um, so, you know, basically the reason that I was able to, you know, get that call was because of all the people that I'd worked with previously. Right? Yeah, yeah. Skinner sure. was out with Kid Rock the year before when Billy Powell passed away, they asked Bob's guitar player, Marlon, who I'd been playing with, if he knew anybody that could take over. And he said, yeah, I think Peter Keys is in Nashville. Give him a call. So I got a call from Marlon. He's like, hey, man, I need you to learn. Give me three steps. Sweet home, Alabama. Call me the breeze and Freebird, note for note. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I got you an audition with Skinner. I'm like, dude, that's amazing. When? He's like, Saturday. I'm like, man, it's Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so basically I spent two days yeah. just you know studying every bit of footage I could find of Billy Powell figuring out his technique and his fingerings and of course all of the notes and went in and had the stuff down note for note uh, there were about t- probably 15 or 20 other keyboard players that went in oh really oh yeah yeah oh wow yeah so uh, when I got the first call back they're like first of all thank you for being prepared I'm like, who comes unprepared? Clearly, everybody else came unprepared. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they, they had... Just, they just winged it. They just winged it. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we'll just play along. And, you know, they said they had some amazing players, but nobody knew the parts. So I basically... Well, lucky w- Marlon really outlined that. Yeah, yeah. That, so I just... I went in there and crushed it. I was like, this is this gig is not getting away from me. No. You know, I knew, I knew it was my moment. And how many years later now? Now it's been 11 years. So, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to grace the basement of Peter Key's house. <laughs> Tell them how many keyboards are sitting under there. I lost count at 36 or 37. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And now you've built in a beautiful studio. and. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, every, everywhere I go, I build a studio. You know, yeah. it started with a closet. Yeah. Then it moved to a basement. Now it's like the whole downstairs, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, I first went under there and he'd just moved into that house. So uh, there was just keyboards lined up everywhere and a little section in the corner with his Pro Tools rig. And then, hey, have a look at this. And, you know, and, and pretty much you've done, you know, 90% of the work yourself, haven't you? 
Oh, almost all of it, yeah. Yeah, the rebuild. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I hired uh, a couple people to come in and do the sheetrock because they're. Mm, yeah. I could have done it. It would have taken me two months, and it would have been a mess. They came and yeah, did it yeah. in a day. Yeah, that's and tricky stuff. And it looks stuff. great. Yeah, the line, yeah. the, the, the line. The mud and tape? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, here's a, the, I tried that myself years ago. The, the funny part, or not so funny part, is that we bought this house three, three years ago, four years ago, and my studio was finished in about six months this week, we are finally doing our bathroom, our oh, master really? bathroom, so that my wife has a shower. Upstairs. Upstairs. Oh, yes. <laughs> Priorities, right? Absolutely. Priorities. Wow, wow. So talk a little bit about, you know, and I think people would be interested in this because, you know, explain the experience of walking into that audition and, oh. and then walking onto a stage that, Maybe what 16, 18,000, 20,000 people would have been some of the first gigs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, walking into the audition was nerve wracking to I just nerve wracking doesn't even describe it. They had the band set up in a semicircle around the keyboard, so everybody's looking at me. Oh, geez, yeah. So, and we did it at Blackbird. Oh, really? Okay, which is where they are or anywhere, no. So I basically show up and I walk into the room and I just, uh, my knees are buckling and I sit down and I'm like, oh my God, there's Gary Rosington, Johnny Van Zant, Ricky Medlock and the rest of the band all looking at me. And uh, Johnny goes, okay, what do you want to play? I said, uh, uh, yeah, call me the breeze. You know, so we went through call me the breeze. And it's funny because they gave me a shitty keyboard. They had like a freaking old Kurzweil that felt like a Casio and the per- the person that auditioned before me came out and said oh my god dude that keyboard's a- their rig is a piece of crap man and I was like oh boy whatever and I walked in and I was like oh a Nerf piano nice and I just went ahead and played along and uh, later they said that they did that on purpose they wanted to see how people would perform with the shittiest gear and they said if, it- if you can play the stuff on this you can play it on anything so I was the only person that didn't complain about the rig and Jeez. I'm also the only person who got the gig, so isn't that interesting? You do the math. Wow. Yeah. That's that's really the psychology is interesting. Oh yeah, and, and I had a camera on me the whole time. I'm like, what is this? You it's know. Like so the it was Michael Jackson gig. You know, you go and play, play in a booth, and he was to, used to watch the videos after. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was it was nerve wracking, but you know, I did the work. I knew the parts. The band was great. Everybody was really you know super genuine. And then by the end, you know, I played Freebird. And I was like, all right, guys, thanks. And I look over, and Dale Rosington, Gary's wife, the, uh, one of the background singers, is crying. And I'm like, oh, boy. And so I, I just, I literally said, thank you for the opportunity, guys, and just walked out because I was, I was freaking out. Did and, you feel that you did well? Or did um, you feel, yeah, I yeah. knew I'd crushed it. Oh, you know? well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I literally, you know, but Dale was in tears, which means that I, you know, pretty much, um, Captured the 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 uh, captured the essence of Billy's playing. Yeah, right. Because this really is about you know Leonard Skinner is so much about what had come before as far as how they'd written the music, how it came across, and the piano was a really really big part of that. It was you know they they will all tell you that Billy was their secret weapon. Yeah, right. Right. There was a ton of southern rock bands out there. But there was only one Billy Powell, and when you listen to his playing, it's really you know. So you'd never got to meet Billy. Never got to meet Billy. No, no, no. But I feel like I know him intimately through knowing his 
oh, his parts. Yeah, without a doubt. So, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it was interesting in learning this stuff. I didn't realize how much to it there was because, yeah, his signature riffs and his solos it's are so all really iconic. Yes. But the comping behind all of the rest of the music is really um, structurally important to how the sound is. Like where he voices everything. Like, oh, man, I learned so much. The cool thing about it was I got a whole new appreciation for piano, which was my original instrument, because I, you know, transitioned into synthesizers and yeah. B3s yeah, and clavinets. You're organ playing, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, So getting back to piano was really actually cool. Terrifying, but cool. Yeah, wow. And yeah. now you get to play a grand every night, right? They, um, they, they, yeah, I mean, I've got a baby grand in a shell. It's got an yeah. amazing rig. The yeah. whole stage setup yeah. is crazy, but... You know, so the the audition process was definitely um, nerve wracking. They gave me a call back. They said, "Thank you for being prepared. You're the only people. You're the only guy that we want to call back from this last round. We've got another round next week." And I was like, "Cool. Um, what should I, you know, what should I prepare for?" They said, "Just you know, learn learn the stuff." So when I showed up to the next audition, they said, "All right, cool. What do you want to do?" I said, "Run the set." And they're like, what? I said, yeah, let's run the set. I'm like, well, we can't. We're still auditioning bass players. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Call whatever song you want. So I you know, I basically learned their entire catalog in that following week. And uh, you know, just went, went through and played it. Got a call the next day. Hey, man, the guys really like you. They want to give you the, give you the gig. So wow. show up to rehearsal. So we showed so up. So from that study to where you are today, how much Peter Keys is now morphed with Billy Powell? I'd say Billy Powell's morphed with Peter Keys. Yeah, okay. You know, so, so you do have some creative freedom now after all these years? No. No, so you just... No, no, I, 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 I do my best to play Billy's parts note for note because literally the fans want to hear the record. Gotcha. They don't want to hear me. Unless you do a new song that you've all worked on in the studio. Right, I've, and I've done yeah. a couple yeah. a couple records with them, yeah. which, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. I still try to stay true to Billy's aesthetic yeah right. that's good you know that's and the cool thing is is that it really works for me because i love the way he played and the stuff is super difficult and i'll be honest i'd be fired from any other band for playing as many notes as i have to play to sound like billy yeah right yeah right yeah, he yeah. was a busy guy like he yeah. played his ass off yeah, so right. i mean again with you know with all the other bands that i've done everybody's like okay that's cool that's just too many notes you know the yeah. typical yeah. like beethoven yeah. mozart thing is too yeah. many notes yeah yeah, yeah with yeah, billy yeah. it's like that's just enough notes, and it's yeah, a right. lot. You know? Wow, yeah, that's an interesting concept, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, just be like me soloing over everything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so let's, and I, I, this is kind of fun. Uh, so, you, do you remember the first big gig? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, the first gig was um, was in um, um, Biloxi, I think, at the Beau Rivage, which is a casino down there. It was, it was a smaller gig. It was probably like 7,000 people. But yeah. that was bigger than any gig that, you know, I'd done except for a couple with the Music Mafia. But, you know, we we uh, get on the stage. Oh, my gosh, it was terrifying, man. Lights and the people in the crowd. And I'm like, I'm like up on stage with Leonard Skinner. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and, and let me just back up. I, you know, when I said we do rehearsals, I think we did four rehearsals, maybe five total before we launched on a world tour, you know. And, a world tour. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, for me, it was like, I mean, I'm used to rehearsing like for six months before I go do anything. These guys, clearly, they've been doing it their whole lives, so they didn't need the rehearsal. So it was up to me to do the work yeah. to know my parts and be comfortable. But yeah. as we, you know, we get on the stage, 
go through the whole set, get to the end with Sweet Home Alabama, boom, crush it. Get off the stage for the, you know, there's a little pause before the grand finale, right? Everybody, yep. you know what song that is, yep, 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 right? Yep, what, yep. what song is it, Mike? Freebird. Yeah, suppose. there we go. Yeah. So we get backstage and Ricky Bedlock pats me on the shoulder. He's like, good job, Keys. That was great. Here comes the really important one. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, great. Because Freebird starts, as yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, with yeah. the piano yeah, yeah, yeah. by itself. You're it, baby. <laughs> you know? And Johnny Van Zandt was like, okay, so this is how it's going to go. We're going to break. We're going to get off the stage after Sweet Home Alabama. We're going to come back on for Freebird. And I'm going to say, hey, you guys want to hear one more song? Yeah. He's going to say, what song is it you want to hear? And the crowd is going to say, Freebird. And then you start. I was like, all right, cool, I got this. So we get out on the stage, and Johnny goes, you guys want to hear one more song? Yeah, and I start. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he turns around and looks at me and says out of the side of his mouth, I'm like, what song is it you want to hear as I'm playing the intro to Freebird? <sighs> but the thing is, I knew if I didn't start at that exact moment, I was going to completely fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just, I had to go with it. But uh, yeah, that was pretty fun. He laughed. Everybody laughed. Oh, that is classic. But I crushed it. But it was like nerve wracking. You know, you know, I have, you know, a massive anxiety attack before that song. I have one every night up until maybe about a year ago. Really? And it's been 10 years, you know, so. Jeez. Wow. And, and, and the thing is, it's, it's simple. It's a simple part. But it's so iconic, and you got to have be relaxed enough for the feel yeah, and yeah. The, yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So so you know so still every night I Ooh. you know I just I just get this rush of oh my god here it comes. Well, that's kind of your body telling you from the first time. You know, it's just, that's what you start to understand about people that suffer with anxiety is your body remembers things. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's that's probably the, the trigger, right? Well, it's a good thing cuz your my body being my fingers remember everything. It's muscle memory. Yes. And if I think about it, I'll fuck it up. So I have to get out of my head. I have to get out of the way. And so I do a lot of like meditation stuff. I do a lot of um, breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of focusing, you know, like focus a um, focus a, a, a beam going from the center of the universe through my body to the center of the earth yeah, yeah, to yeah. keep me right keep there. Keep you earthed, yeah, you know? earthing yourself. Because yeah. it's, you know, you yeah. look out in the crowd and you see people laughing, crying, fighting, you know, yeah. proposing to each other, passing yeah. out. Yeah. You know, they're all being affected by this music. So it's got a huge emotional impact on the listener. And it's really easy to get wrapped up in that and to forget that you're on stage actually working. Yeah. You know, plus yeah. we've got like video screens behind us and lights. There's a million distractions yeah. that can easily take me out of yeah, folks. the game, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's it, it's a um it's kind of like a masterclass in multitasking. Yeah. Because I'm really easily distracted. I'm like, look at the squirrel, look at the shiny thing, look at the thing over there, look at yeah, that, yeah, you know, yeah, and it's yeah, like, look yeah. at the screens over there and the people over there are like, look at those tits over there. Oh my god. I'm playing and I'm like, wait, I'm playing the piano. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Oh my God, that's funny. That's funny. Well, that's kind of pretty interesting. I mean, um, you know, I've never, I've, uh, I've worked with Peter on probably, I'd say, at least 10 albums, maybe. Easily. Easily 10 albums. And, um, you know, we're just normal dudes. Uh, we're having fun. Um, I know what he does. I know I normally hire him to play B three organ because right. I'm an organ. Yeah, you know, I love organ, and uh, 
But do you ever get to play any organ? With, oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got an organ. Yeah, I've got a, I've got an organ set up to the left. Yeah. With a uh, with a keyboard on top of it for clav and and whatnot, and then there's a piano to the right with another keyboard on top for strings and pads. So what kind of organ are you doing that? Ham, I've got a Hammond. Uh, it's actually an XK3C with a, a Leslie 122. Oh really? So you get to take a Leslie out? There. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The only reason that I use the XK is because we drop everything a half step. Ah, right. So you can tell it to do that, and you're right. still okay. Right. I mean, a lot of the. I'll be honest. A lot of these parts you couldn't play in a flat key. So the just like not physically. So possible. when you're playing, the, is the piano still tuned to concert? No, we've got to knock down a half step. Wow. Well, it's a digital piano. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. It's just in a grand case. Right. Right. It's, ah. I'm playing a Ro the Roland RD. Um, I think 800 um, chord Chronos on top. Hammond on the left with another chord Kronos on top of that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, all the social media pics, it looks like you're playing some big old grand. Right. Well, that's because it's in a really nice white piano yeah, yeah, shell. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, man, that's kind of an interesting story. The whole thing's interesting. So where from here? I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, I mean, music is like. It's not. I was just talking to my wife about it last night. I'm like, babe, what do you want to do when we retire? <laughs> she she laughed. You know, first of all, because we we don't retire. No, and she's like, yeah, let's get a RV and go drive around the country and visit all the national parks. Yeah. I was like, that sounds great. And the next thought in my mind was like, okay, I need a mobile rig. <laughs> exactly. Literally, the next thought in my mind is like, yeah, I can totally do that so long as I have yeah. a way to write and compose easy and, and play easy. And that's not a vacation, Mike. That's no. going back to work. Yeah, but, <laughs> but at your terms. It, yeah, true. At your terms. And, true. And my wife and I have discussed the same thing, right. you know, going doing the RV thing. You know, I think, you know. And was that your first thought too? Is like, how no, can I get my rig with it, me? No, it wasn't. Obviously, it was more like maybe some live instruments to play. Right. You know, if you wanted to play a show or just enjoy yourself. <laughs> um but I think, and, and we wonder because, is that a fantasy? Retirement? No, we've never been able to take that much time off in our lives. Right. As musicians, it's always been seven days a week. It's hard to stop on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, I find being an Australian, Australians actually do shut down more than Americans. Um, so being able to turn it off, Aussies kind of turn it off. Like, right. But here, as you know, I mean everyone's going seven days in a sense. And even if it might be a Sunday, you're still getting calls, emails or yeah. something, you know, text messages or, Hey man, what are you, how are you looking for tomorrow or whatever's right. going on? Right. Um, and, 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 you know, it also doesn't shut down at six or seven o'clock at night, does it? No. God you no. know, so it's, uh, I think we live in, in this mobile phone world, the smartphone world we live in. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing. I mean, I think, you know, retiring and doing that trip, who knows? <laughs> you know, would we, be, would, 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 would we last four weeks and then turn around and come home? I don't think I'd last four minutes. Yeah, that's the thing. You know? I think it's, a, it's a, something that we all would think we would love to do and get away because I think the, the internal pressures of being a musician, you know, you're a producer, you're a writer, I'm a producer, I'm a writer, we're both players, you've got an iconic gig, I don't have an iconic gig, you know, we've, we have to kind of figure things out and it's, it's a daily or a every minute occurrence that goes through our mind 
from the day we stepped on our first stage, isn't it? Well, it's the only way that I know how to process information yeah. is in a musical sense, Yeah. right? That's how I just see everything. So, you know, I was going to mention this. It's like even listening to music for me is work. Yes. Because what do I do when I listen? I take it apart. I figure That's out right. how they did this. Yep. Do I like this? Why do I like this? Do I not like this? How did, you know, all of, like, it's crazy. I, I don't know that I can listen as a, consumer or you know in in an enjoyable way because i'm constantly trying to break it apart and figure it out you know but then again when i'm trying to convey just what happens to me on a life in life terms i'm like okay well that sounds like a d minor or that sounds like an augmented chord or this feels like you know uh, uh whatever you know i try to look at it in the terms that i understand and because music is all I've been doing really since I was four, yep. that's the language that I communicate in. Yeah, And, and that's how the world is communicated to me. And it's funny, uh, I don't know if you find it when you, if you're driving with kids in the car um, and they want to play something oh my gosh. that you don't like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's difficult for me. Oh, they hate me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, like Jasmine, my, my, I've got, as you know, twin 17-year-olds now, but Jazzy will want to play certain pieces. And some days I'm like, I just can't do this. Yeah. You know, um, so it's kind of odd. I think we find a place that gives us peace and we, we have those go-to songs that, or artists that give us peace. And that's how we can relax and not, have that constant assault yes yeah. well and and trying to pull it apart you yeah. know like um i've got a couple of artists that i can listen to relax and i just love hearing them in the background and i'm not i've heard it so much i don't need to pull it apart anymore you right. know mark right. you're being a piano player mark cohen is someone i love to listen to yeah you know and i realized he, he did so many records and by the third record it was called burning the days i just one day I realized it gave me so much peace. Right. But then I realized the lyrics were so painful. Yeah. He'd gone through so much and that was, that was his record of, you know, after divorce and after things that he was taught. But for some reason, the sonic value of that record gave me some internal peace. Right. It's, it's amazing to me how music affects us, touches us, um, changes us literally on a cellular level yeah like i can be feeling a certain way put on a song change that feeling yeah right i mean everything from like sick like physically ill if i put on the right piece of music it will make me worse or better yeah depending on what i'm listening to you know it's it it really is it i think for me the thing about music is that it captures an emotion and a communication in time yes right that you can revisit Oh, when you put on. So it's basically a time capsule, but an emotional time capsule. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're diverting from Peter Keys, but uh, I was (laughs) was 15. I bought, I was living in my mum and dad's house, Brisbane, Australia. I had bought Neil Young's American Stars and Bars, right? Yeah. Uh, I was building my own vegetable garden because it was Christmas vacation. And that takes me there when I hear... You know, um, if you remember that album, I mean, man, I mean, you had Like a Hurricane on yeah. that record and, you know, are you, I think it was Are You Ready for the Country and things like that. Um, it, it was just that album t- takes me, especially that song, um, takes me to that picture in my mind 
immediately. It's time travel. It's beautiful, isn't it? Literally time it's travel. beautiful. Yeah. Well, man, I think we've kind of given these listeners some pretty interesting <laughs> stuff, right? Awesome. Uh, let's finish. Who's the most famous person you've ever met? Oh, my gosh. Robert De Niro? Oh, okay, an actor. Um, like, what's the most famous musician I've ever met? Well, I suppose, did De Niro come to a gig? Is that how you met Yeah, yeah, he was a big fan. Oh, how classic, isn't that? Classic? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've met a lot of crazy, crazy people. Like, Mark Cuban was a big yeah. fan. He came yeah. to our show. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. There's just too many to list. It's, you know, yeah. it's been... Well, I mean, I've played with a lot question. of them, you know, like meeting yeah. George Clinton, being yeah. on a bus with George Clinton. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. You know, Gary Rosington, Johnny yeah. Van Zandt, Ricky Medlock. I mean, I yeah. play with them every day and I still get starstruck. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, funny enough, on all of these podcasts, I've never asked that question, but I thought I'd ask it, ask it to you because I had uh, a radio celebrity uh, on a few weeks back and uh, it was funny because he... He had met Alvis to Jerry Lee right. Lewis, to, he was an older guy, and uh, it was kind of interesting just sitting there and listening to that story, those stories, you know. I mean, imagine meeting Alvis Presley, you know. I mean, right. you know, I I was lucky to meet, you know, a couple of iconic people. I won't even go down that road right now. But And how I felt at that time, it really didn't move me till I had, they had walked away. Right. You right. know, so it was like, oh, wow, you know. Yeah, I, I have, you know, I have the uh, the weird ability to say absolutely the wrong thing. Yeah, me too. Pretty much every time. Yeah. It's like I always say one foot in the grave, the other one in my mouth. Where yeah. do I go? Well, you know, being so I, uh, a slide guitar player, <laughs> my most um, enjoyable meeting ever in my life was Ry Cooter, of course. Oh, yeah, man. You know, and yeah. we actually got to talk about flesh on strings and right and stuff that i never even thought he'd want to engage in you know so yeah uh, thank you god you know right. well thanks peter for turning up uh this is peter keys from leonard skinnard uh, i hope you guys really enjoy what we spoke about and um keep listening keep subscribing and this is our new world right right on. thank you mike flanders and thank you podcast listeners yeah <laughs> goodbye cheers all right Thank mm-hmm. you.
Thank mm-hmm. you.